Louis Armstrong singing about the beautiful colors of the rainbow in this wonderful world. And this is Stacy Julian with episode 68 of Exactly Enough Time. is a podcast about being present. It is also about playful creativity and other things like curiosity, happy colors, and connection. I am a storyteller and I love to interview interesting people and talk about what they do and why they do it. Listen up. I think you'll find inspiration for living your life and telling your story because you have exactly enough time. Hey, hey, happy Thursday. You guys, this is what I'm learning as I produce this podcast week after week and especially recently in 2020. I am learning that it never hurts to ask, that asking is always a good idea. I'm kind of freaking out right now because of who my guest is today. I asked and she said yes. If you know me at all, then you know that I love color. And if you know color at all, then you will recognize my guest as a color specialist who has been called the international color guru. Her color expertise is recognized internationally, especially as a prime consultant to Pantone, the leaders in color communication and specification. What? I have on the show with me today, Leatrice Eisman. Lee has helped many companies to make the best and most educated choice of color for product development, brand imaging, interior and exterior design, fashion and cosmetics, or any other application where color choice is invaluable to the success of the product or environment. Lee is also involved in color and trend forecasting across multiple industries. I am such a huge fan, avid follower of Leatrice Eisman. Lee also heads the Eisman Center for Color Information and Training and is also executive director of the Pantone Color Institute. Lee has been widely quoted in many publications and recognized by Fortune Magazine and the Wall Street Journal as one of the most influential people in the world of color. The world of color? Okay, Color is so ubiquitous. It is so much a part of our world. And today I have the distinct honor of bringing you a conversation that I recorded recently with Leatrice Eisman. And it's so good. I'm just going to cut right to our conversation. You're going to love this. Listen carefully and learn. Leatrice Eisman, I am beyond thrilled, so excited, completely and totally honored to have you as a guest on my podcast. How are you today? I am just great, Stacey, and I'm, I'm delighted to do this for you. <laughs> just before we started that for me to work up the courage, you know, just the guts to reach out to you and ask you, I thought if she's ever going to say yes, it's going to be in the midst of a pandemic. So I better just, <laughs> so I truly am so, so tickled. Now, I've already introduced you a little bit, but you are the executive director of the Pantone Color Institute. Mm-hmm. And internationally recognized authority on color. I like to call you the color expert, which I believe I'm not the only one. 
But before we go there and we talk about everything that you do in the world of color, I would love you to just introduce yourself. Maybe share something a little more personal. Tell us where you live, a little about your family. Well, yeah, it's always fun to get into something that's a little more personal. But I can tell you, and I think that most color lovers would probably share the same the same feeling. Uh-huh. I mean, I can remember from the time that I was just the littlest kid, you know, just really a toddler, of having this total fascination with color. Yeah. And it was not just, you know, all kids really love to scribble. Give them a box of crayons and, and they're off and running. Yeah. Uh, so we all inherently have that need to express ourselves. But for me, it was beyond that. I, and hmm. for, I mean, beyond that meaning that I was raised in a household with my mother and my aunt. And they allowed me to do anything and everything I ever wanted to do color-wise, hmm. which eventually, which meant that I always picked out my the socks that went with my outfit, and mm-hmm. the rest that I wore in my hair. Uh, and even as I was a little kid, my aunt and my mother would ask me advice about what colors to put together. And so did my friends. You know, it was just yeah. sort of like recognize that I had this particular skill. Yeah. And uh, when I was a teenager, uh, early in my teenage years, um, I had my own room and um, I wanted to paint it. And my mother said, well, you could paint it what other color you, you like. And I chose Chinese red and oh. black. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's pretty dramatic. And my it friends is. are all so envious that I got to choose the colors from my room, especially <laughs> anything as exotic as red and black. Right. And so, uh, But my mother had this one proviso. She said, you can do it. But if you get bored or tired with it eventually, then Guess who gets to repaint? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the furniture, do whatever is necessary to make the changes. And listen, that was okay with me. Yeah. Um, so I, I had this kind of encouragement as a child. And I think that what we're encouraged to do um, is really important in our development. And I will always be appreciative of that. But I want yeah. to tell you, my mother really was um, a fiend with a paintbrush. And so it came to me very naturally. And I remember she didn't believe in um, spring cleaning. She believed in repainting. So our house took on a new theme. You know, it was a small house, (laughs) a little row house in Baltimore where all houses look alike on the outside. But on the inside, you can do whatever you like. And my mother would change the color scheme every year. And so I'd go off to school in the morning, coming home in the afternoon, uh, and and that that I you never asked my, for my advice on that you know the accessories yeah. and things like that but I would come home in the afternoon never knowing what the the new color was going to be and it was great fun to to you know grow up with that kind of color freedom yeah. so that's why I'm always telling my students and anybody that will listen to me let your kids have a say in yes. the colors that they put in their room what they wear that's an important part of their you know their creative um, learning how to be creative is Mm -hmm. their own input into the choice of color. Mm, I love that. Our mothers are so much alike. Gratefully, gratefully so. My mother also gave me that kind of freedom. Now, she didn't necessarily love what I chose, but she always let me choose it. Mm -hmm. So that's so fascinating to hear that about you as well. So clearly you've had almost a calling. You've you've certainly had an intuition from the very earliest Mm -hmm. time then, and then you've honed that over the years. So So now, just for my audience who may not be familiar with you, how do you describe what you do? And then after that, tell us how you got there. Well, how I got there, (laughs) well, executive director of the Pantone Color Institute, I've had a long history with them. Um, Part of my, what I do for them is to, um, I'm sort of like a spokesperson. And so I do a lot of media interviews, I help in the selection of the color of the year, um, do several forecasts. Um, I do color consulting for various clients who come and and need help. Um, And so, uh, you you know, I wear several hats for Pantone. Mm -hmm. But in addition to that, my other big hat is the Eisman Center for Color Information and Training. Okay. Uh, And that is sort of like a passion come to fruition because it enables me to pass on what I know about color to others. And uh, you took the class. Yes, I did. Many years back. (laughs) And um, and I love doing that class because of the fact that it enables you to really 
be with like-minded people mm-hmm. um, and to let them know that um, there are not strict rules about color, but there are mm-hmm. guidelines. And that's, that's what I attempt to teach. So, um, so I, as I said, I wear several hats and uh, sometimes I have to take off one hat, put the other on. And sometimes I wear both hats at the same time. So interesting. So, and for people who don't No, so I and I fell into this class. Honestly, I worked at the time. I worked at a scrapbooking magazine. I was the editor. We had a special issue, and I I had to push hard to do a a whole issue on color. And so, as soon as I got approval and we started working on it, I thought, now I really got to know what I'm talking about because I felt it. You know, I had ideas, and they had served me well. Um, And then I went out and I bought probably four of your books. And, and two of them, I just love to this day and I reference frequently, but, uh, but I remember the issue was pretty much, we had pulled it together and it was going through sort of the design phase and it was my turn to write the editor's note in the beginning. And I looked up on the shelf above my computer, this is 2004. And I didn't even know, I don't think I realized like you, you were the author of all the books that I loved, but I looked at your name and I thought, you know what I really want to do. I really want to learn from her more. So I, and pretty Google, I mean, you know, this was the beginning of the internet, truly, you know, but I looked you up and I discovered that you taught this class and I, and it was expensive, you know, for, for me um, in my little industry that I worked in, but, but I put together a proposal that sounded as smart as I could make it sound, you know, and I sold, I, I told this boss's boss <laughs> why I needed to go to, to receive your training. And it changed my life, truly. <laughs> it, it was so amazing. And I just, oh my goodness. So ever since then, I have been a huge fan. And, you know, I love to tell people about that experience um, and what it did for me. Um, you've written, as if I'm correct, 10 books on color. Yes. Okay. So my two favorites, one, I love colors for your every mood. Mm -hmm. And the other one is just the color answer book. Mm -hmm. Those are the two that I reference all the time. Uh I love the one you did a whole book, or at least you helped put it together. The one on a century of color, I think with Mm -hmm. Pantone. Anyway, my, my question to you is, do you have a favorite book? Like what is your favorite aspect of color to write about? Oh, okay. A favorite book in general about color? Uh, Yeah, yeah, that or one that you wrote. I mean, what is your favorite book of all these books that you've written? I'd like to give credit where credit is due and and to say that one of my biggest influences was Favor Byrne, uh, B-I-R-R-E-N. And although uh, I would have to say that some of the things that he wrote would not be as pertinent today because, you, you know, he wrote about color in business and things like that, which today we would look at and and really get a chuckle because this is pre-computer days. But he wrote about the psychology of color. And Mm -hmm. I I was, you know, more intrigued by ever before. I had uh, psychology was my major. I studied design and psychology uh, in college. Uh, But psychology is something that you really almost have to be self-taught when I say self yeah. art, you have to go out there and dig and look for uh, the books that are available and and to uh, and to properly vet them to make sure right. that that what they're talking about is really accurate. Uh, right. I think that one of my least favorite things is when I see things flying around on online uh, that I know are absolutely untrue. That somebody's just picked up something about color and really hasn't vetted the information. Um, mm-hmm. I would have to say, in getting back to your original question, Favor Byrne was the first writer who led me down the path of, yes, there is more information that is needed on the emotional aspect of color, because people mm-hmm. are really fascinated by that. Mm-hmm. Um, even those people who say, well, you know, I, I'm not really very good at color. I don't know m- very much about color. I love to engage them in conversation, because eventually what you find out is that they know more than they thought they knew, but mm. they are they don't have the confidence to exercise what they mm. feel instinctively. As far as my own favorite book of mine, I, you know, each book was written for not each book, but several were written for different audiences. But I think yeah. the biggest surprise of all of my books is that when people are into color, a one book alone isn't going to do it. They need, right. you know, once <laughs> they get hooked. 
they want to read all there is to read about color. Uh-huh. And that's really what led me to 10 books on color because yeah. there are different aspects of color, but I think there's always something to learn. Even if let's say one of the books is for graphic, two of the books are for graphic designers. That was uh-huh. the intended audience. But what I found was that interior designers, fashion designers, people were always saying to me, oh, but I love that book. I learned a lot about color, even though I'm not a graphic artist, you know, it's, it's still something right. to learn. And I, that to me is, is what I love about the books on color, that when people tell me they use it, um, and it helps to give them confidence, it helps to validate their own feelings about color. Well, that is precisely what you did for me. As I recall, you, the advice that you gave me as we were launching this special issue, and then I would, I would have the job of, you know, of teaching from it and talking about it. You know, you said, be careful not to make it so esoteric, Stacy. you know, mm-hmm. you said color is the language of emotion. First of all, I had to look up the word esoteric, but, you know, you said color is the language of emotion. So let people feel it, you know, mm-hmm. definitely teach them some guidelines, teach them about how to use it well, but let them respond to it on an emotional level. Mm-hmm. You know? So mm-hmm. it was interesting because I came home and I'm going to, I don't know for sure, but within a month is my guess. I had repainted the wall in our little split level starter home behind the kitchen, you know, the table where we ate. It was just a beautiful, not bright turquoise, but a beautiful, you know, blue green that just made me happy. It was calming, but it was exciting at the same time. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was one that, so you tur- I turned a corner in my own personal usage because you gave me that permission. And I, ever since I've been practicing it. And the more you practice color, the, the more confidence, you know, you find in using it. So. Exactly. Exactly. I'm delighted to hear mm-hmm. that. I love stories like that. <laughs> Okay, so then, and I think I was—I probably have been most intrigued by the psychological, like, and like I said, the emotional aspects of color. But what blew my mind at your workshop, um, because I knew so little about it, um, is just this fascination with color trends and predicting or forecasting. I'm curious, from your experience, where does that originate, and how do trends develop over time? Because they have an immense—if you're not aware of it, you're not aware of it. But the color trends that are that are set have an immense influence, really, on our culture and in our society. And talk to me about color trends and your your role or your understanding of how colors are forecasted. Well, you know, it's interesting that you asked that question because I think some people get the idea when we talk about trends that um, you know we reinvent the color wheel every year. That's really not what we do. Our purpose is, when I do color trends, is to look for lifestyle indicators, uh, and we get that through various areas that I look at, and I'll get into that in just a moment. But when I say lifestyle areas, particularly when people are decorating their homes, you know, where they live, where they want to feel more comfortable, and what happens is that you might feel a certain predilection to, let's say, pastels, you know, just picking okay. that off the top of my head. Uh, right. Pastels are very soft to you, very soothing, very quieting, uh, and maybe more in the cool range. Uh, are mm-hmm. what you, If people were to show you pictures, and we all look at pictures of magazines and look online and say, oh, I love that room. I could crawl mm-hmm. right into that room, uh, into right. that space. Uh, we know what makes us feel good. But at the same time, we all humans have a need for some, something novel, something to tweak their eyes, something to catch their attention. And mm-hmm. I have to say that the first time I was really um, exposed to that was within one of Faber Burns' books, where he said, and I'll never forget this, he wrote in his book, the human eye is exceedingly fickle. And, and he was one of the early uh, forecasters as far as color is concerned. He was like the daddy of all color consultants when it was not even a a well-known career. And so that intrigued me. And I thought, well, but when it comes to the home, we don't redecorate every single room every year. I mean, that would get a little expensive. What we meant was, and I think that the world of commerce has picked up on this very well. When you walk into an interior store that carries uh, home merchandise, and you might see some of the same placemat colors that you saw last year, But then there's Mm -hmm. another color that wasn't there last year, another way of mixing the color, or perhaps Mm -hmm. some candles to put on the tables. Not not expensive, maybe some new stemware, 
We're not talking about ripping up the carpeting and, and changing that color, you know. And I used to say accessory colors, but of course today everybody knows that you can treat your walls like they're an accessory. I mean, right. you go to the hardware store, pick up a can of paint, bring it home, and presto, you have a, a new color scheme to work with. Um, right. All it takes is a little grunt labor and the price of a can of paint. So we have learned over the years, humans have learned that, you know, we can satisfy that need for newness. Uh, doesn't mean throwing everything out and starting all over again. And truly, that's what color trends are all about. Let's, we know you have a certain comfort level. We show you eight or nine palettes of color. Uh, okay. What feels comfortable for you. But you might walk into that living room after you've lived in it for maybe four or five years. We've all had this happen. And you look mm -hmm. around and you say, oh, I don't know. I need a little something, a little pick-me-up um, right. in the kitchen. Of course, in the kitchen, it's always easier to do because we've got small appliances and all kinds of goodies to buy and new, you know, new plates that aren't necessarily that expensive. Um, so we've learned that in the kitchen. But you can certainly okay. learn it in other rooms in the house as well. And I'm using yeah. the home as an example, but certainly in fashion, uh, we know that trends in fashion have always been a leading reason as to why people will go out and, and find something new to buy. Yeah. It's often wrapped around the color. They may have that favorite shade of orange that they've always loved, but they've had that shirt for maybe five years and they've always worn it with a beige pair of slacks, you know, same old, same old. Mm -hmm. But now you're seeing this trend to, wow, I never saw, I never thought of a kind of greenish khaki to wear right. it with my orange shirt. I, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't steal any attention away from the orange shirt. And now I found, look at this little necklace or the pin or the thing for my hair, or a pair of sandals, um, yeah. a little different than I, the direction I would have gone down. And, mm. and that appeals to us. So it's that quest for something new something right. that attracts our eye that that you know gets our attention and of course in the world of business that's important because that's what keeps the walls of con you know the wheels of commerce <laughs> going around mm -hmm. that the consumer will buy something that gives them that feeling of newness so and i remember um <clears throat> i remember back in 2004 you even talked about looking at like kind of ahead to the in entertainment industry, for example, mm -hmm. like looking at what are the movies that are coming in the next, mm -hmm. you know, year to three years. And at the time, um, I think you told the story of how Shrek was going to be a big movie. Yes. I was, it was 2004. It must've been about Shrek. <laughs> yeah. And even before, so you knew, you know, you, you were paying attention to this Shrek green, you know, mm -hmm. before the movie came out because you knew that, that we would see it, you know, whether it was successful or not, it would be something, even if it wasn't a successful movie, it would be something that would be, you know, would become the DVD or not the DVD, probably the VHS at that point, you know, and the kids would watch over it. In other words, you just talked about how we would become, there would be this novel color, but then over time we would become familiar with it mm -hmm. and, and sort of our attitude towards it. Tell me, correct me if I'm saying it wrong, our attitude would shift a little bit to more acceptance and it would become a color then that we would see more often in different ways or different areas of our lives. So right, right. And I, I think that that Shrek Green is a, is a really good example because being a forecaster, I'm always doing homework. I, you know, I'm yeah. looking at what are the films that are in production. You know, who's in the film? What's the theme of the film? Uh, is is there color? Is there a color story that's involved in that? So we right. do look at films. Uh, another area that we look at, and remember that films are seen by millions of people the world over. Right. Uh, right. We think in terms of what we're watching here in the U.S. And when I have traveled to other countries, you know, Taiwan or China or Japan or wherever I travel, it's astounding to me when people tell me, um, I remember being in Taiwan and they shared with me uh, this group of young people shared with me that they all watched Downton Abbey together as a group. Um, <laughs> these young Taiwanese yeah. people watched out Navi and they all dressed up in a very English style and they drank tea and had tea sandwiches. Uh, and this <laughs> just blew me away. Um, yeah. Paid attention to the colors that were used in the film. And of course the colors in the film 
you know, in the TV series were amazing, really wonderful. And the sets yeah. were amazing. But it, I've learned lessons through my travel that we, we shouldn't limit our thinking, that people all over the world have access now to what other yeah. cultures are doing, and they're embracing some of those ideas. So we're all learning from each other. Uh, Absolutely. Even though our travel is curtailed now, we still have, uh, you know, the wonderful ability to go online and to see what's happening uh, any place in the world. And so that's an area that, that I look at. And of course, the animated films, very, very important, even though they're made for kids. Uh, the colors yeah. that are used in those animated films are astounding and the way that they're combined. So this is the kind of thing that I encourage my students and my clients to do to, to look to the future. Uh, but yeah. in addition to that, we look at um, art exhibits. Now, whenever I talk mm. about art and you know, well-known artists, some people's eyes will glaze over <laughs> because they think uh -huh. not everybody in the world goes to museums. Uh, but right. you know what? Even that changed. And as a forecaster, I saw that coming all those years ago when Steve Wynn in uh -huh. um, Bellagio in Las Vegas had the foresight to bring in a collection of Jackson Pollock paintings. And right. I remember I was doing a talk in Las Vegas and I was staying at the Bellagio and I could not believe the line that snaked around going uh. to the Jackson Pollock exhibit in the Bellagio Hotel. Now these yeah. are people that go there for gambling and shows and having fun. And to see, lining up to see an art exhibit, this is not exactly a museum. And right. that told me that art really now was being disseminated over a much mm. wider span. People could go online and read about art. You didn't necessarily have to go to your museum. But at the same time, over the years, museum attendance has gone up exponentially every year. Because once people are exposed to it, they say, mm. wow, this is really something I want to learn more about. I want to see how the great yeah. artists use color. And, and maybe I can get inspiration from that. So yeah. we do look at, at art um, hmm. and what are the big shows that are uh, going around the world uh, that, are being, uh, that are being shown. I just did a, a trend forecast for the IHA, the International Housewares Association. Hmm. And we talked about uh, the fact that women artists are really getting a great deal of attention now and more hmm. so than they ever have. And we are seeing a resurgence of uh, Georgia O'Keeffe's paintings of Ooh, yeah. been around for many years, and people have always looked to her as a colorist. But when female artists are being celebrated, we go back and we look at the artists that came before them. So we look at the okay. history of art in that area. We look at um, industrial design. Now, that was an area mm -hmm. we did, the forecasters didn't look at because they were always latecomers, you know, to right. end. A computer was putty gray, end of story. Um, mm -hmm. Then, of course, Apple changed all of that. And all of that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we, have to give, right. we have to give them credit where credit is due. And then, you know, eventually with the, um, with the iPod as well. Uh, mm -hmm. so, um, outer space, of course, is a big deal. I talked about that. Not that it's new to us. But I think that the fact that, for example, a good example would be, I read that the, um, the Weber uh, mic microscope, which huh. has been on the drawing boards for many years, and they've had a lot of delays in finally releasing it. And then finally, NASA announced that 2021, finally, the Weber telescope was going to be released. And what I read about the Weber telescope, so you see, I have to follow that path. Okay, what do I need yeah. to know the Weber telescope that might teach me something about color because everybody wants right. to know what colors are out there in outer space. And so yeah. NASA site and I read about the Weber telescope and the fact that we are going to be seeing colors in space that we never associated with outer space before because of the strength of this great telescope. Yeah. So you oh my know how we do our homework and the paths that we follow. Tech, of course, high tech is an important part of that, but it's not all about high tech. Some of it is low tech. Um, mm -hmm. Our palettes is called uh, Folklorico, and that is about, uh, as the name implies, it's about how color is used in deeply saturated tones, uh, very mm -hmm. hands-on kind of a, of a palette. I mean, that celebrates low-tech. We don't necessarily as assume that that's going to be high-tech. But okay. 
because that that's a comfort level with some people. They really love the textures that they find in everything mm-hmm. involved with folkloric. Uh, but then at the same time, I subscribed to New Yorker magazine, not a place okay. that you would find, expect to find information about folkloric palettes. And I saw something that just astounded me, um, an ad from a Swedish designer who hmm. has shops in London. I've been in her shop in London and New York in the Soho district, of course, in Sweden. When I visited there, I visited her shop. Um, and, and here is an ad for Gundrun is her name. Oh, yeah, Gundrun Schwoden. Don't okay. know how to spell it, but it's Gundrun Schwoden. I think it's S J O D E N for anybody. Okay, that- yeah, yeah. And she does the most amazing color stories. And anytime I was in a city where she had a shop, she's always been inspirational. But here she pops up in a full page ad right in the beginning of New Yorker magazine, a city okay. all about black, right? Yeah. Yep. Yes. And the ad is, you know, this is subscribed to by a lot of people who live in New York and live in more sophisticated cities. And when I saw that, I thought, boy, this is real. This really nails it. Obviously, yeah. I was going down that track of folkloric, but making huh. a new kind of a folkloric palette, not just same old, same old handicraft yeah. kind of colors, but but new kinds of deeply saturated combinations. And really in color mm. trends, that's one of the big things we look at. It's not okay. that we're reinventing colors all the time, but we right. are reinventing color combinations. And that's okay. really uh, part of the fun and the, uh, and the creative aspect of it. So again, it's a long-winded answer to your, your question. No, I love it. Yeah. Uh, where we go. And of course, I, I'm just, that's the tip of the iceberg. But um, yeah. that is the kind of thing that we look for and what takes us down the path that leads us into knowing that uh-huh. directions are going that way. Oh, it's, it's truly so just fascinating to me. It's, it's amazing. Okay. So now you talk about then you're, you're not creating or recreating the color wheel. You're looking, you're creating new combinations and helping us see colors and new combinations. But then there's this thing that we all, at least people who love color look forward to. And that is the, the color of the year. Uh-huh. So I'm so I'm so excited to hear you talk about this um, because 2020 has obviously you know brought us a surprise. No one you know anticipated that we would have this very upside down moment. This this COVID nineteen, um, and yet I from what you've taught me about color, the Pantone color of the year for 2020 is classic blue. So I want you to talk about how that's the perfect color. <laughs> for this <laughs> unprecedented time. So just teach my listeners a little bit about blue and your thoughts about yes. its role right now. Yes. Well, of course, none of us knew what was going to happen at the time that we, no. we chose the color, but there are also other clues that are out there. Uh, mm-hmm. We know that this is um, there are challenges out there in the world uh, that, that we're faced with. We know that. And uh, not the least of which is the, the time crunch challenge, which yeah. I think it's one of the biggest reasons that people tell you, why are you stressed? There's not enough hours in the day to do everything I have to do. And this, mm-hmm. of course, happened even pre-pandemic, uh, that people had these, these everyday stresses of sure. spending enough time with my family, feeling, making them feel safe and secure and, and you know, mm-hmm not only helping me, but helping others around me. I mean, we got a lot of very um, empathetic responses when we were Hmm. making inquiries as to how people felt about what they needed from color. And, and, you know, we do our ears and our eyes open. That's really important. So again, getting back to the emotion of the color, what, what does color say? What color really would speak to helping people feel um, a little bit more, confident and easy. And we chose the classic blue. Well, classic, of course, is the first tip off because mm-hmm. it's not a brand new color. It's been a Pantone color for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, even before Pantone was invented, it the classic blue was a color. We know that there's something interesting about this color too. It can draw up some pictures of the past, um, mm-hmm what we call heritage and tradition that is attached to the past that we feel very connected to. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that gives us a sort of comfort level. 
but at the same time, it's a color that can speak to the future. And when you think in terms of a palette like that in, that embraces the galaxy and what is out there, as we hmm. discussed, um, when we think of the color of the sky at, at night and we think about mm. um, distances out there, it's invariably some shade of blue with twinkling star right. against it. Um, what is what is ahead of us for the future? So it was the kind of color that really embraced uh, both areas, the future and the past. Um, hmm. We um, and again we we go back to uh, and I think I talked about it in the class that you were in. We do a word association study, and it's included uh-huh. in several of my books, where we ask the attendees or the readers to write down the first impression they got when they saw this particular swatch of color. And over the years, what I've done is to uh, continue to um, amass that information, uh, Mm. keep going. And um, sometimes it will change somewhat depending on the time, you know, the period of time. And sometimes Mm. it will really pretty much remain the same. And it's interesting Mm. about classic blue. It's, It's not that it's not, we can't look at it and say it's not you know, a beautiful color that many people are going to be attracted to because our our studies, our word association studies tell us if you show a blue, invariably uh-huh. you're going to have positive responses because right, people right. associate the lighter blues with a beautiful blue sky um, that you can, when you're a child, your mama tells you, you can go outside and play. You look at that beautiful blue sky. You can go out in the backyard. But exactly. if it's a rainy day, you can't go outside and play. So we've huh. got all of these positive associations around blue. Um, and in particular, that classic blue, we felt, gave us the calm and the repose that happens when a twilight sky starts to take over. The end mm. of a busy day, crazy time, whatever you're doing, and now we're kind of winding down. Um, right. And so th- that color just spoke to us from that standpoint. Well, we're, we're definitely experiencing a winding down in a, in a time, I, almost a gift where we can really focus on what is essential, you know, mm-hmm. to, to us. And I think that, I don't know, I just keep thinking about that color. And I think that is, that is the color of 2020, you know, yeah. and of course, yeah. Yes, I didn't know that, but I just think it's uncanny how perfect it is, at least in my mind. So yes, absolutely, and and you know, as again, we were not soothsayers; we had no idea of what was going to happen. Right, right. Whatever <laughs> a color lived up to its expectations, this is this is the time. And yeah. often, when people ask me, you know, what what would you consider a calming color? Of course, that can vary depending on the on the person and what you know what sure. life has been like and what they think of as calming. But we go back to our word association studies um, because that's always a place to look, and invariably people will associate and attach that feeling of calmness with the blue. And so, yeah. again, if there ever was a time that we we need that suggestion to help us through uh, what we're going through, I, I think if a color had to express it. I think classic blue could certainly help us through it. I agree. Okay, Lee, time always flies so fast <laughs> when <laughs> when I have guests on, but a particularly guest that I love as much as I love you. Um, so back in 2004, I've mentioned this, but you changed my life. You gave me permission and you um, gave me the opportunity to find more confidence um, in my own love of color and in my own use of color. And ever since then, I've talked about um, my happy colors yellow and and a bright yellow green and orange and turquoise and kind of a a raspberry red I I am a bright color girl Mm -hmm. but but particularly the green and yellow have been with me since the very beginning um you know as far as I can go back and talk to my mom and just remember things that I loved Mm -hmm. um I'm just curious now about you and I don't know if you're the one who talked about happy colors or if that's something that I just took away from what I learned from you but do you have a personal palette of colors that you trust and that you turn to again and again? Is it the, the bright Chinese red and black still? Or what are, what are your colors that you love and use? Well, this is like asking her a mother who is your favorite <laughs> child, right? I know, I know. No, I have to tell you, I'm not avoiding the question, Stacey, but for me, color is always um, an exercise in, in making it a happy color. Ah. Because 
rarely about one color. We know that when we, yeah, when, yeah. we when we dress, unless you live in the big city and you wear black head to toe, uh, right. most people um, will combine colors in what they're wearing. They'll combine it in their homes, what they're using around them. Um, so we rarely work with one color in isolation. But yeah. as colorist, my challenge is to take a color that may not be thought of uh, necessarily by a lot of people as a happy color and turn huh. it into a happy color. Um, I love it. How do you mix it with? What are you combining it with? Um, maybe yeah. you have that favorite piece that uh, you inherited from your grandma and uh-huh. it, the color itself is not your favorite color, but you have such wonderful memories when you look at that color because it reminds you of her and you mm-hmm. have happy time spent with her. How can we reinvent that color and use it with other colors that, that do give us a feeling of happiness? Mm. I have to say to you, and I love to point this out because brown to me is the color uh-huh. that had the biggest transition of all colors in the spectrum. And I okay. started to note this in the 90s, and there were a lot of reasons for it. Um, mm-hmm. um, Martha Stewart was, you know, big in her gardening, and her show was a big hit, and everybody was looking at the beautiful shade of, of soil and, you know, that gorgeous brown. And then yeah. uh, the movie called Chocolat came out. It was just a yes. wonderful movie that that turned into a big hit that nobody s- suspected would be. And it mm-hmm. and Godiva became a big thing, not only to people who could afford Godiva, but you could now buy it in a supermarket. Uh, right. Starbucks popped up on every corner. Starbucks, coffee, yes. It's a coffee color. And so what, when people used to say, if you showed them a brown chip, you know, the Pantone chip, uh, they would invariably say, well, it's, it's earth, it's soil. And some would right. say it's dirt. You know, I don't like dirt. Um, and right. so we get more negative responses than positive. But when all of this transitioning started to happen in the 90s, mm-hmm. um, and then, then the diamond maker came out, Levine came out with a brown diamond that was very mm. new in the diamond industry. And Michael Coors designed these gorgeous brown outfits in sequin that he showed on the runway for After Five, where you never saw brown used before. So huh. you've got to really track the historical significance of why color changes. And that's not saying that some people aren't still going to react to brown is dirty, forget it. I, I don't want anything brown. But as yeah. a and in my classes and teaching in my books, what I try to do is open people's minds to the way that they use color. And yeah. even if it's not a favorite color, uh, maybe it's something you found and it's a great bargain. And, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. you know, wear it for a long time. And I'm thinking about how I'm, you know, spending my money these days. Uh, what have I got in my closet that I can pull out and wear with this, this, these yeah. brown pants that fit me so well and are so inexpensive? Maybe I don't wear the same old, same old combination with with brown that people usually think about, you know, the baby right. and so on. But now I'm going to pull out that um, bright red uh, silk top uh, that uh-huh. I love, 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 and I'm never going to get rid of. And now I'm going to give it a new look. And maybe I'll wrap a few chains around the neck, and that'll bring some of the, uh, you know, yeah. maybe I'll get some of the, maybe not the real diamonds, but <laughs> the fake yeah. brown diamonds and wear that around the neck. You, you see where I'm going with this. What I try Absolutely. to uh, yeah. and you remember this from your, your class, is to open people to new ideas, new ways of mm-hmm. creating. Uh, and it can be, it's, we work with color every day of our lives. When we set yeah. a table and we put the food on the plate, we don't think of it necessarily as an exercise in color, unless you're a chef or a cook and you know that that's important. Right. Uh, but there's so many ways to be creative with color. And if you just open yourself to it uh, and yeah. have fun with it again, um, yeah. I think that that is just, I mean, it almost brings me to tears when I hear a former student like yourself talk about the fact that it, it helped to change your life. I mean, you just uh-huh. don't know how touching that is to me. Because mm. color has been so important in my life. And if you can share that with someone else and, and get them to open their eyes to new experiences, I mean, mm-hmm. that is, I, I mean, that's just so important in your relationship with other people. Mm-hmm. Mm, I love it. Well, and it is, it's such an experience. And really, if, if I have a specialty, it's, it's helping people tell their stories and 
and color plays such a big part of our mm -hmm. stories and in our memories. And so I love that you just talk about color is an unfolding story. So mm -hmm. regardless of how you felt about it in the past or the memories you associate maybe with a particular color that can change and will change mm -hmm. and shift, you know, as you, yeah. as you write that story, you know, with your color, I have, I'm teaching a class online and, and I'm going to challenge my students this summer to tell the story of this summer through the lens of color, to actually look for opportunities to photograph things that are particular colors and then to associate summer memories with color. So I think we're gonna have a lot of fun with that. And that all harkens back to my time with you. So it's just great fun. Thank you so much again for your time. So I have a little segment called People, Places, and Things. And I'd love, Lee, for you just to tell me what what person, place, or thing has your attention right now? Well, I do have to say, because we are living in this time of challenge, uh, and we all know that. I mean, it supersedes yeah. everything else in our lives, uh, and mm -hmm. we all have to find creative ways, especially for people who have young children that, you know, that they have to keep their spirits up as well. That has to be foremost. And for me, it's a question of, um, you know, if you're, if you're staying at home and you're not venturing out except to do the food shopping or whatever, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. have playing, you know, playing like you're a kid again, allowing mm -hmm. yourself to be that child, to, to do puzzles, to do things that mm -hmm. use color, um, get out the crayon book and be that five-year-old again, um, mm -hmm. not, not hamper your creativity uh, by saying, you know, well, how will somebody else feel about this? Or how will they view yeah. it? It's all about an expression of you and, and you know, maybe taking the clothes out of the closet and looking at them. And, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. How do I remix what I have? How do I, and, you know, having dress up time, doing things that are fun as an adult, not just reserving them for children's activities, although you certainly could involve the kids in this, but yeah. things that can make you feel happier, that can use color um, in, in a way um, that you can use it, you know, every day and, and bring a smile to your face. You know, that has most of my attention now in yeah. encouraging people to do that. And as far as filling in the blank, I have enough yes. time to do. Well, I'm going to be doing what, what you're doing, too. Um, I already have a, an online class that is uh, based on, well, this is color that has a very specific usage. It's okay. color for personal use. And I think oh. ever a time when people would need that kind of, you know, after being at home and, and you know, yes. jeans and the sweatpants, uh, you know, when we come out of this wanting to really feel your best. Um, yeah. And that is based on my, my book called uh, More Alive with Color. And okay. uh, we've just recently updated uh, that uh, that particular program online. So that is something that we're just finishing up on now. And uh, it and it is available for people, not only people who are in the business of, you know, personal stylist, yeah. stylist, makeup artist. I mean, naturally, they work with color every day. But people who really and, and also, of course, uh, people who are um, clothing stylists. Uh, or image consultants. It's it's a natural okay. for them to help their clients with with color. But I think anyone who really wants to learn more about how color can satisfy you, how you can become yes. more confident in the way that you choose it for yourself. Um, but the other class that I'm I'm going to be doing online is a class that that you took, but okay, updated now. And that is really what I want to have enough time to do because I think that there are just so many people. We get inquiries all the time. We had a class scheduled for May. Um, yeah. Obviously, did not happen. Uh, right. We we have another scheduled for October. You know, we're kind of iffy about whether that's going to happen as well. Yeah. But we feel the need is really apparent. Uh, and so many people are learning how important uh, being online and learning online is. So yes. that is my current challenge. And um, we are making enough time to make that happen. Oh, I love it. That's the best news ever. So Lee Eisman has exactly enough time to teach online. I love it. <laughs>
Okay, well, I will make sure to get from you um, a link just to make sure we have all of the information correct so that people can find you and access your knowledge and your experience. I follow you on Instagram. So I'll make sure that we put all of those links in the show notes so that people can um, can just learn from your wealth of information and, and just your enthusiasm and your expertise. So Lee, thank you so very much. I appreciate this. It's been just such a fun time for me to reconnect with you. Thank oh, you. Oh, well, Stacy, you know, I, I, when I heard from you, I was so excited. I mean, there are people who stand <laughs> out that take your class and I've had hundreds of people that I've taught over the years, but there are just certain special people that just stand out in your mind. And oh. I, I mean, you are just such a loving person in addition to being the consummate, <laughs> but you really are such a warm, outgoing and giving person. I mean, those are the people that stay in your mind and you keep in your oh. heart. You're definitely one of those people. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much. Just made my day, <laughs> made my year. Okay. You're the best. I appreciate you. Yeah. And same here. Thank you, dear. Did you just hear what she said about me? <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. I let today's interview or episode, I should say, go a little bit longer than usual, but I think you might know why. What a wealth of information. Lee truly is so generous and so knowledgeable. She has so much to share. So listen to me. I need you to go to stacyjulian.com, click on podcast, today's episode, and read the show notes because I have put so much information and links in those notes to Lee, her website, how you can learn more about her, how you can learn from her, how you can follow her on Instagram. I am telling you that there is inspiration to be had the more you learn about and learn from Leatrice Eisman. I absolutely loved Lee's advice that during this time of pandemic, that we allow ourselves to playfully create, that we connect to that intuitive child that we are, that we still are, that we let that child come out and play. So you guys, go get your color crayons, your watercolors, your sidewalk chalk, and make something happy. I appreciate so much the opportunity to create this podcast for you. If you enjoy and appreciate what I am doing, I would appreciate so much you leaving me a review on iTunes. I will be back next week with another episode of Exactly Enough Time. Of people going by, I see friends.